What's going on, everybody? My name is Ryan Clary, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Speaking of game starting, the 2022 postseason is here. So at the end of this, you're going to get my postseason predictions. But first, folks, we're going to hash it out once more, and we're going to get into the biggest storyline of this season, and that is trading away Juan Soto. What do I think about it? Find out after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So like I said, we're going to start hashing out this Juan Soto trade one more time. The season's over, and there is no bigger storyline in baseball than the Nationals trading away 22-year-old superstar Juan Soto. So let's go back to April. April of 2022, just a few months ago. If you were to ask me, are the Nationals going to trade Juan Soto this year? I would have called you crazy. Before that, we were actually looking at trades to be like, who could even make this deal possible? At that time, I was thinking like, you know, maybe the Orioles. They have the best farm system in baseball. They've loaded up. And these guys are going to be ready to go within the next couple of years. They can make it happen. Other than that, I didn't really have anyone else on my radar. And I don't know about any of you guys. I don't think you had anyone else on your radar as well. Maybe the Dodgers, because the Dodgers seem to always pull the rabbit out of their hat. And they can make deals like this, and they just act like it's no big deal. So maybe them. But looking at this, I had no idea who could make a trade for Juan Soto. Let's fast forward to July then. Worst team in baseball. The worst record in baseball. There's no hope for this season. The writing's on the wall that we're rebuilding, and we're hitting rock bottom in this 2022 season. Then, early July, we found out that Juan Soto turned down a $430 million contract offer that the Learners and Mike Rizzo made to him that would have made him the highest paid player of all time. But his AAV, as we know, is a big deal in sports. Everyone wants to be the highest paid player annually per year. And that just wasn't going to happen with Soto at this point. He deserves it. He 1,000% deserves that. I think everyone can agree with it. But the learners weren't going to hash out that money right now for a team that's going to be losing 100-plus games maybe for two more years. They just... And plus, is there cash flow issues with them? I don't know. Who knows? They haven't really spent money. Uh, We know they're real estate kings, and over the last few years, real estate has been in the dumps since the pandemic and maybe they have cash flow issues as we speak, but I'm not going to speculate on that because I don't know. I just simply don't know. Uh, you can speculate on that. That's just not what I'm going to do. But so the writing was on the wall and we see that Juan Soto turned down this deal as expected. If he, if he accepted it, everyone would have been shocked. It would have been, the craziest thing to ever happen in this franchise because his agent is Scott Boris. I can tell you this, Scott Boris wasn't going to accept 
anything less than the highest AAV that the Nationals would offer. He would be the highest paid player in baseball and deservingly so. More so than Max Scherzer. He would have gotten a higher AAV than Scherzer, in my opinion. I don't know how else he would have accepted a deal. And so we bring you to this, to when now we see it on the wall, our heads are bobbing at the top of the surface, and we see that the Juan Soto trade is going to happen. And it caught everyone by surprise. I thought he would be a national for life. I, I truly believe that when you have this sort of superstar on your team, it's not Bryce Harper, it's not Anthony Rendon, it's not Trey Turner, it's not Max Scherzer, it's not Steven Strasburg. This is Juan Soto, a 22-year-old who is an MVP caliber player year in and year out. And I truly believe that. And so we got to that moment to where the best thing for this team moving forward is to move on from Juan Soto. If we paid him this money and we know how the learners are and we know how this team has spent their money in years past, they're going to pay him and they're not going to be able to pay anyone else. You know? They're going to have to build through the draft, and that's something that we just haven't done well over the last few years with our mid to late round first-round picks. We're picking like 15 to 28 every year, and we just haven't hit on anyone. There's been a lot of Carter Keyboom, a lot of Eric Fetty, and that's really much, pretty much it. We just haven't been able to hit in our first-round picks to build this farm system up so we can stay competitive through the 2020s with Juan Soto. And we just failed to do that, if we're being completely honest. And so this farm system needed a boost. It needed something to get the juice back so that one day we'll have a loaded farm system to be able to help a championship team down the road. Now, I'm not saying that you had to trade Juan Soto to be a winner and to win a championship, but... I can tell you this, it made us a hell of a lot closer. And if you don't think that, I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy to think that. Because look at who we got in return. I can pull it up right now. We got the biggest trade in MLB history, the biggest haul of MLB history, and maybe even professional sports history. We got Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, Yarlin Suzanne, and we also got a vet with Luke Voigt who's played well here. Is he part of the future for the next championship team? I don't know. But for the time being, he's been fine. He's a clubhouse leader. He's one of these older guys that will help the younger guys once they make the step to the majors. And so these moves were necessary to make. And I tell you that, just like I said earlier, we had no one else coming up. We... When you have superstars on your team like Juan Soto and Josh Bell, it's not just about them. You need the pieces around them, the supporting cast to help them, to hit them in, to get guys on base so Soto can hit them in. Because it's useless. You can't hit a solo home run every game with Josh Bell or Juan Soto and win a game. You saw it this year. We were the worst team in baseball with them. And in fact, when we traded them away, we even got a little better. Now, I'm not saying that. They were the problem, like people were saying with Bryce Harper once after we won in 2019. They weren't the problem. Josh Bell and Juan Soto weren't the problem. The point is, is we got better from it. The system got better. 
we're closer to our next championship team, to our next postseason team. And if you think that we aren't, I think that's crazy. Because you can't get five legit first-round prospects for these guys. Mackenzie Gore, former first-round pick. Robert Hassel, former first-round pick. Shortstop C.J. Abrams, former first-round pick. James Wood, second-round pick, but a ton of upside, and I truly believe this is going to be the prized possession of this haul. And then Yarlin Susanna, who's one of the best pitchers in the 2021 uh, DSL class. We got a haul. And I believe Mike Rizzo said, uh, when asked about when this trade first happened, someone asked about Yarlin Susanna kind of being like a quote-unquote throw-in in this deal, and he was like, absolutely not. Yarlin Susanna is one of the pieces that we valued very highly in this trade, and he was one of the must-haves. And so they got him as well. And then on top of that, they got a, a nice veteran piece who can play first base, who can DH. He's got a nice hit, nice bat, hits for slugging, hits for power. Luke Boyd. Like, is he going to be a leader of this team moving forward? Maybe. Who knows? Crazier things have happened. But back to my original point, I mean, this was a must-have deal. You had to have this happen. Or you needed something to replenish this farm system. Take a look at the Los Angeles Angels right now. What have they been doing the last 10 years? They had Mike Trout, one of the best players of all time. Now they have Shohei Otani, one of the craziest talents we've ever seen in baseball history. And look at them. They can't even make the playoffs. They can't even stay competitive at the least. And Juan Soto and Josh Bell are awesome. But Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are just that much better. And look at them. And that's because they haven't really tanked. Yeah, they've been bad. But they haven't really done anything with those picks. They don't really have any help up there in the majors. All they have is Mike Trout. Shohei Otani, they spent big on Anthony Rendon. That didn't hasn't done much. And that's really it. They are filled with this, the two most talented players on the planet in baseball. Two of the most top 10 talented players really in baseball history with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is certainly on that top 10 list. And look at them. They can't do it. They can't get it done. And that's what you want to avoid when it's all said and done. You don't want to be the Los Angeles Angels to where you're just stuck in mediocrity for the rest of your life. Because look at them. They still don't have a farm system that's ready to compete and to put guys around those two players to surround them to make a run in the postseason. They have no pitching. They have no bullpen. They have no help around besides Otani and Trout. You don't want to end up like that because guess what? Their championship window is now, and all they're doing is losing more games. You don't want that to happen here. And so that's why it was necessary to move on from Juan Soto and Josh Bell. If you weren't going to get a deal done with them, the time is now, man. The best time to trade them was yesterday. That's what someone else said to me. And you know, it's true. Because it was only going to go down from here. His value was at his peak of the 2022 trade deadline. No one's going to, you know, he has two and a half years left on his deal before he reaches free agency at that point. What's more valuable to you? Three postseasons with Juan Soto or just two? So you had to make them 
for this year. And that's why they had to trade him now to get that value as much as we can. And we totally, totally got the biggest value possible out there. And I truly believe that. And I would do that trade 10 times out of 10. Just because I look at the Angels and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there with you have two of the brightest stars in the game and they're just completely wasting it. They're spending all their money and they still have nothing to show for it. Obviously, it's been some unlucky injury situations, but still, I'm not doing that. And I know you don't want to either. So that's just the way it is. First off, I want to tell you guys about my friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. So, for example, I'm a big parlay guy. I love to place a nice little weekend parlay. I Google BetOnline.net. I get on there, search what the experts say, and then I tail them. And I make my picks. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's get into the hall of what we got back for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. And so first off, I want to get into Robert Hassel. Robert Hassel is kind of the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling, I believe, of this group, in my own opinion. I think he's going to be the safest prospect. We kind of know what we're going to get. He's a plus hit tool. He's going to have a little power with them. He can run, and he's going to play a great center field. And he's kind of going to remind me of a little bit I'm trying to think of a comparison for Nationals fan. I would say a young Trey Turner to where he has that consistency. Obviously, he's not going to go play shortstop. We know that. He's an outfielder, strictly an outfielder. He's going to come up, and he's going to hit for average probably right away. He struggled a little bit once he got traded this year, but, you know, he's he was 20 years old when he got traded. He got traded from the San Diego Padres from an organization to where they're looking up and they're just getting into their championship window to a team where they're completely rebuilding, and there's not much hope for a a bright future over the next two years. But in the minor league system, he's hit well over the years. As a rookie in 2021, he batted 302 with an 863 OPS, above average on both levels. He hit some power. He had about 11 home runs in 110 games. Again, that was a 19-year-old doing that. His muscles are going to develop. He's going to develop as he gets older, grow into his body, get stronger. And then again, this year, he had 11 home runs in 112 games. So you see that he has some pop in his bat, and that's going to be taken advantage of at this next level. And I think that he's going to be around a 280 hitter, like we were saying for this year. I think he's going to be a 280 hitter around a 790 OPS pretty consistently. And he's going to play great center field. And that's someone who's going to be a part of this championship team moving forward. Also, C.J. Abrams. C.J. Abrams, in my opinion, should be getting a contract extension this oct- or this offseason. Why I say that is you can see the trajectory. It's only going up. 
it's only going up. As he first started out this season, I believe he was batting 211 through August. And then once September hit, he completely took off and he ended this year with the Nationals batting 260 with the 603 OPS. Now, one thing I am concerned about him is that he only took one walk this year. Only one walk. And with that, that's a little concerning considering he played in, I don't know, how many games with us this year? Maybe like 45. Only one walk compared to like, I don't know, maybe 30 strikeouts, something like that. My computer's not loading right now. Great. And so, C.J. Abrams is another building block for this future. And with that being said, you need that shortstop to take command of this team and to kind of be that leader into the next championship team we have. And he's a necessary building block into that right direction. So, C.J. Abrams, we saw him this year. You know what he can do, and that's something that's going to be exciting moving forward. Now, James Wood, my personal favorite prospect for this Nationals team. I think James Wood has the talent to be a top five prospect when it's all said and done, when he's making his push to the majors over the next few years. I think this is someone who, at every level in the minors, all he's done is hit. Simply that, he's hit. For average, yes. Power, yes. Getting on base, 100%. Striking out a ton, not really. And that was kind of the main issue for James Wood, where everyone was like, well, he strikes out a lot when he was coming out of IMG Academy. That was the knock on him. Well, I can tell you this. In in 21 games, he had 26 strikeouts for the Nationals this year. And then with the Padres before that, he had 50 games and only 42 strikeouts. That's pretty damn good for someone who had a quote-unquote strikeout problem coming out of high school and a pitch selection issue. And then in the minor leagues at all levels, he's played in 102 games. He's batting 326 with a 536 slugging percentage, and you have a 966 OPS with a 430 on-base percentage. Those Those stats are incredibly impressive incredibly impressive now I'm not this person who's just gonna sit here and look at stats and be that guy but numbers are important man they don't lie this is someone who's hit in every way that you want him to hit and again he's six foot seven 240 pounds I'm not saying he's gonna be Aaron judge but there's gonna be a lot of power there I can guarantee you that He's going to see that scoreboard pavilion out in right field at Nationals Park, and he's going to meet that place a couple times. Maybe hit a red seat up there where Bryce Harper hit and uh, Section 240s up there in right field. I think he could do that. That's that's what we're getting with James Wood at this point. Gunnar Henderson was a second-round pick as well for people who are like, well, he's a second-round pick. He's not going to be a top guy. Gunnar Henderson was a top-five prospect coming into the majors this year. He was a second-round pick. And what has he done? Take a look at the Orioles. He's done pretty damn well. So so for those people using that excuse, whatever. I'm not here for that. Then another one who I'm incredibly excited for as well is Yarlin Susanna. This year in 2022, again, all he's done is ball out. In 45 innings pitch in the 2022 season, 
lights out. He had 28 hits, only gave up two home runs in those in those 45 innings. Had a 2-4 ERA and 12 games started. He's only 18 years old, so you know there's a lot of development to go. But someone who throws a 103 mile per hour fastball, he's not sitting that, but he's kind of comfortably sitting around 100 miles per hour, and he's 18 year old, 18 years old, and he's kind of someone that you see who could make his way through the minors at a pretty young age. He's 18 years old. He was in low A at Fredericksburg, and in the few starts we saw him this year, uh, he pitched pretty damn well. And I think everyone kind of saw that. I can pull up the stats right now. When three games started, he only had 10 innings pitched, nine hits, three earned runs, and one home run allowed. And again, this was someone who had 13 strikeouts in those 10 innings pitched compared to five walks. The stuff is there, man. I don't know what else I can say. He had 66 strikeouts and 45 innings pitched. Yeah, I think he's uh, pretty damn good to me. I don't know about you guys. But I'm liking this haul. The more and more you see about these guys can make a difference going into the next level. And then we have the lefty Mackenzie Gore, who should be in the majors in 2023 and will probably start off there. That's what we all assume. Uh, he was on the verge of making his national start this year. If the season was about a week longer, I believe he would have made that start. But he had elbow inflammation. There is no reason to rush him back. Get a fresh offseason, go hit the weight room, get healthy, and uh, I think he's going to do just that. So Mackenzie Gore started off this year in the majors, and his first nine appearances in eight games started in 2022. I have the numbers right here. At 48 innings pitch, you know, 34 hits, only eight earned runs, only 17 walks compared to 57 strikeouts with one home run with a 1.5 ERA. Lights out stuff. He throws four pitches. He has a four-seam fastball and a curveball and a slider and a changeup that he uses every now and then. This is someone who's going to be a lethal lefty arm to where what we want to see from Patrick Corbin, I think we're going to see that from Mackenzie Gore, that 2019 version of Corbin to where we expect him to be to be one of the top arms of your rotation moving forward. And I think that's a completely reasonable expectation for what we traded for him for. He's a former top 10 pick. This is someone who's made his way through the minors. He's impressed. Tons of people. The Padres were super high on him. They've always been in a cross major league baseball. If you're a prospect guy like I am, you've certainly heard the name Mackenzie Gore. Uh, He was one of the top prospects coming out of high school in 2017. And again, another building block towards this future who could potentially be a team ace one day. And then we got the veteran Luke Voigt, who's, you know, he's 31 years old. Is he going to be on the building block for one of the next teams? Probably not, but he's someone who's done well this year for the Nats. He batted 230 with a 676 OPS. He was kind of a throw-in deal because uh, Eric Cosmer didn't want to come to Washington. As uh, he turned down, since he had a no-trade clause in Washington was one of those teams that he could have denied, and he did just that and denied that. And so then we got Luke Voigt in the deal. And honestly, I'm perfectly fine with Luke Voigt. He's cheaper, less money, and I think he's got higher upside as we speak right now. Hosmer has kind of been on the decline. 
Uh, Luke Voigt hasn't been much better, if he's been better at all. That's that's your opinion. I'm not going to go into that at this point. But I'm fine with it. He was cheaper. I think he's a team leader, and I think he kind of brings that leadership to where he's been on good winning clubs before. And he's going to bring that leadership in this locker room and kind of show us how to win. Not saying Eric Cosmer hasn't done that. He certainly helped the Kansas City Royals uh, win a World Series back in 20, 2015. But I, I'm just saying, as of recent, I'd rather have Luke Voigt and his experience with the Cardinals and the Yankees and kind of help these younger guys and breed them into what they want to be here in D.C. moving forward. So that's kind of just my Juan Soto thoughts. And we're gonna I'm sure we're going to hash this out again with people coming on the show later in the year and through the offseason. And certainly we're going to keep an eye on all these minor league prospects and hopefully get a few on here as well. But guys, postseason baseball is starting today. And I am pumped for it. Who isn't pumped for it? We all love postseason baseball. It's October. We know what that means. And so I'm just, I'm ready for the ride, man. I don't know about you guys. This is going to be a real fun, but I, I actually, before I say that, before I say that it's going to be a real fun postseason, it kind of sucks too that we have three NLEs teams in it, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to say anything about that. So let me get you guys my postseason prediction record. And so first we start off with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Guardians. I don't know if you guys know me like that, but I love an underdog. And yes, the Tampa Bay Rays are the sixth seed, but people are still sleeping on the fact that the Guardians have one of the best pitching rotations in the league, in my opinion. A three-game series in Cleveland. It's going to be cold. Tampa plays in a dome at home with a 72-degree thermostat. You're not going to get that in Cleveland. I don't know what the temperature is going to be like over the weekend, but I can promise you this. It's not going to be 72 and sunny. It's never 72 and sunny in Cleveland. And so I see Cleveland just kind of taking advantage of them with the elements. Uh, Progressive field can be a kind of dicey place to play that gets loud there, especially in October. It's cold. They, They embrace the bad weather there. And so I'm seeing the Guardians pulling off this series, and I think they win in three. Shane McClanahan for the Rays going game one. I think that's going to be a very tough outing. But once you get past him and get into their bullpen, obviously, which is not an easy step to take. Their bullpen's also great. It's just kind of a gut feeling to where I believe I believe in Cleveland. Believe, lad. Believe. So that's kind of my prediction for the first of the wild card round. Then let's move on to Seattle and Toronto. I've loved the Seattle story all year. I'm here for them breaking the postseason drought. It's been awesome to watch. But I also really like the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are a tough out. Their lineup is no joke. And if you guys remember back in 2014, I believe, with when the Rogers Center was bumping back in the postseason, you have Jose Bautista hitting a game-winning home run off the Texas Rangers and that place exploding, that place gets loud. It's one of the loudest environments in baseball in October. I don't know what it is. I think it's just like an enclosed dome to where all that noise is just bouncing off the walls there, and it's a tough environment to play in, and those fans get rowdy. They start throwing beers on the field and stuff, something I'll never forget. And so I just think it's going to be a tough 
situation for Seattle to climb out of to where the Blue Jays just have a loaded lineup and they have one of the best offenses in baseball. And certainly they have a great pitching rotation as well. And their bullpen's been pretty damn good, but there's some holes in it as well. Though I will just get to my prediction. I believe the Blue Jays win it in two games. And I hopefully it's a good series. And again, I'm rooting for Seattle, but I just see Toronto being the better team. So let's get to the NL wild card now where we have the six seed Phillies going against the three seed St. Louis Cardinals. NL East fans, here we are. Here we are. We're here. Congrats to the Phillies. You guys made the postseason. You had your nice fun since it's been since 2011. I'm happy for you guys. Seriously, I really am. I'm not being a jerk. I'm really happy for you guys. You get to go play St. Louis. St. Louis is a tough little team. They know what they're doing doing that at Bush Stadium. They've won a few World Series here and there. You know, it's not like the Nationals swept them in 2019 in the NLCS. So I'm going to make this one quick. I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals winning in two games. I just think St. Louis is a better team. I think they find ways to win in October, and that's what's best about St. Louis. And the Phillies, I just haven't seen it enough from them. Can Bryce Harper be this leader and lead a team to a World Series or even past the? Because think about it. Bryce Harper has never won a playoff round ever. And all of those came with the Nationals before this year, but I'm going to continue with that. I'm going to fade Bryce Harper yet again and say that they don't get past the wild card round, which is fine. Hey, it happens. Then let's move on. San Diego with Juan Soto going against the New York Mets. I really do want to pick San Diego. I do. I want to root for Juan Soto, and I want to root for Josh Bell, and I will be rooting for them, especially against the Mets. But again, I I just think the Mets are too good at this point, way too talented. If they were to lose in the wild card round, everything would blow up. It would be the worst thing to happen to us in U.S. history, according to Mets fans. I would be stunned if they lost to San Diego. And so let's get on to the ALDS where we have the Guardians and the Yankees. This is a tough one. And I can tell you this, Yankees fans do not want to face this Guardians team. A lot of people are sleeping on them and what they can do going into the postseason. The pitching is tough. And yeah, playing at Yankee Stadium in October is going to be real tough for them as well. But I know for a fact, they don't want to see that Guardian scene where everyone's sleeping on them. No one's given them a chance this year to win it all. They're going to be looking at the other side and everyone's saying this is the Yankees year. Aaron Boone has a lot to prove this postseason. Can he get to the World Series? The pressure's on them. And so with that being said, I see the Yankees taking this in four games. I think they won three to one. This is the time. The time is now for the Yankees and Aaron Judge contract year. He made history this year. Let's not have that be what we remembered about this year. And let's have it be what the Yankees did in the postseason. So I have them moving on to the ALCS. Then we have the Astros and the Blue Jays. I think we get it again, folks. I think we get it again. The Astros have been one of the best season, best teams in baseball all year long. No one's hiding from that. Jose Altuve, Justin Verlander, 
Framber Valdez, all these guys that have made up for an incredible season for them and they aren't cheating. Dusty Baker, I'm rooting for him. I really hope that he can get a ring as a manager. He deserves it. I love him with his time in D.C. here. I think he's a great manager and someone the players revolve around, and that's something that they needed down in Houston after the cheating scandal. And so, quickly, I think Houston wins this in three. I think Houston's one of the best teams of baseball, and so we get that Yankees-Astros rematch in the ALCS. Now let's go to the Braves and the Cardinals. Yet again, another matchup that I just hate. I hate both these teams. I hate the Braves, and I hate the Cardinals. But it's an easy one again. I think the Braves are the best. I think they're the best roster in baseball. I think they are the most complete team, top to bottom. The bullpen, the rotation, the lineup. They have rookies that are, you have Von Grissom going to be coming off the bench at some point. Michael Harris is going to be making a difference. All these rookies. Dansby Swanson's been hot. Ronald Acuna's there. Name them, they got them. They have guys coming off the bench. Nobody's who seem to just help them all the time off the bench, really. They're the most loaded team in baseball, in my opinion, even more so than the Dodgers. So I see the Braves moving past the Cardinals in five games. I think it'll be a tight series. The Cardinals are always a tough out in October. So I have the Braves moving on to the NLCS. Now we have the Dodgers and the Padres. I hate this because I want to. I don't want to go chalk. I don't, but it's just what I see happening. I see the Dodgers winning this in four games as well. I don't think it gets to five. I think the Dodgers are one of the most loaded teams in baseball. They certainly had the best record this year, and they kind of they were kind of a sleeping giant all year. They had finished with one of the best records of all time. No one really talked about it, but that's fine. I think that's kind of the way they want it. They've kind of been a sleeper all year compared to the last few years to where everyone talks about them going into the postseason. That this is the team. This is the team. This is the team. They got it done in 2020. Didn't get it done last year. Now no one's talking about them again. Can they get it done? I think they do, and I think they move on to the NLCS. Now we got the Yankees and the Astros. This is my World Series. I want to see this series so badly. If you're a baseball fan, you want to see this again. There's just always seems to be crazy headlines out of this game. Yankees and Astros fans hate each other. The teams hate each other. They want nothing to do with each other. And it's just a fun baseball series to watch. But guys, Yankees fans, I'm sorry. I have you fallen short yet again. I have the Astros moving on in seven games. It's just to me, it's simple. I think the Astros have been the more consistent team over the last second half. Uh, the Yankees have been struggling. I believe they have a 500 record in the second half of this season compared to the Astros, who have just been steady Eddie and been perfectly fine. You know, they have the pieces. They know what their team is. They know how to win. This is a team that's been in the postseason forever now. This season bets all over the place. They have a new shortstop, Jeremy Pena, who kind of had a rough stint during the middle of this year, but he's really turned it on in September. I think he's batting up to 290 again uh, in September. And so coming into here, he's got his bat working, and that's another big piece of their lineup, who I think will be a key part to this postseason. So I have the Astros moving on to the World Series with in seven games over the Yankees. 
Now over to the NLCS, where we have the Dodgers and the Braves yet again. This one hurts. This one hurts because I'm not a fan of either teams. I don't like the Braves, like I've said it a million times. And I'm not a big fan of the Dodgers. I think I think we're going to get what we all want to see, though. I think we are. I'm going to go with the Dodgers over the Braves in five games. This is the Dodgers year. No one's talking about them still. They want to talk about the Yankees and Aaron Judge. They want to talk about the Cardinals and Albert Pujols. They want to talk about the Phillies getting hot in the second half and making a run. They want to talk about the Mets and their collapse. We're just forgetting about this Dodgers team that all they've done is win the entire year. They never really got cold. For Again, there was never really a chance for them to lose the NL West at any point this season. We knew that it was the Dodgers to lose. And so that's why I have them moving on to the World Series. And so we get a repeat of the 2017 World Series with the Astros and the Dodgers. This is going to be another great series to where it's two of the most talented teams in baseball, two of the best organizations in baseball. Yeah, the Astros cheated a couple years ago. It's fine. It's water under the bridge for me now. Uh, My team wasn't affected by it as yours as well. So we're cool with them. But... I just, I can't look past the fact that everyone's not talking about the Dodgers. And that's driving me nuts because they're one of the best. Or they are, they, there's certainly an argument out there for them being the best team in baseball. A lot of people would say the Braves at this point or the Yankees even. But I, I see it's, I think it's the Dodgers. They've been consistently one of the best teams in baseball. They have the bullpen, they have the rotation, they have the pieces. Roberts is an awesome manager who's going to get it done in the postseason and make push all the right buttons. And so my World Series winner is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think they get it done in six games. I think it's going to be a competitive series that could make for some crazy moments. Who will step up in this? My big winner for this World Series. Ooh, that's a tough one. But I thought about it, and I think it's going to be our Trey Turner. Trey Turner has not been amazing in the postseason statistically, if you look at it. He was certainly never, you know, he's always been a great regular season player, but getting in the postseason, he hasn't really got it done. But I think he's going to get it done this time, and I think he's going to be the difference maker for the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right, guys. That was today's show. I think I went a little over the time to where I was supposed to. Uh, I certainly did. I just saw the time on it. Uh, But when you're having fun, you kind of lose track of time sometimes. And so thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, guys, enjoy the postseason today. It's starting, and uh, enjoy it. Postseason baseball, it's nothing better. All right, guys, you have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Enjoy.